Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome, everyone, to Good Night and Good Game, your Geek News Roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week is our producer, Tony. Hello. And our co-host, Hector. Hello. And our main topic this week is about piracy and preservation. And I don't mean a nautical-themed D&D campaign. I mean using piracy as a means to help preserve pop culture history. But before that, we have all the geeky news that's fit to discuss. But before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk talk about. Our patron-exclusive episode about the Final Fantasy VII Remake is currently available to listen to there. Now, with all the introductions out of the way, it's time for the prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the prelude. This is what we've been doing with ourselves this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time. Uh, Tony, you ready to go? Uh, I really just want to talk about how much I still love the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension mm. because I watched it again and I love that movie. It's amazing. <laughs> it's perfect in everything about it. Um, so and more people need to watch it again because yeah. it, it's a, the movie that will never get a sequel. Like right. eventually once the rights get into like the right cor- giant, why don't, why don't we explain to the audience what this movie maybe. is? Like, yeah. This is a well, what's cult it available? film. That is available on Amazon Prime. Okay. And it is the story of Buckaroo Banzai. He is a half American, half Japanese um, rock and roll scientist, uh, physicist. Uh, he's got a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. And he crosses the border into the eighth dimension in this said film. Okay. Which is the border between our reality and physical things. He drives through a mountain. And some aliens that live inside that space come with him, and uh, they try to conquer the world. Actually, they don't really try to conquer anything. They try to go back where they're kind of come from in the weirdest Nazi bug way. But like, <laughs> that sounds fun. I like it's it. Ridiculous seventies. Um, if you like the comic book uh, Invincible, this is going to mm-hmm. be one of the uh, inspirations for that. And I, I, I just highly people recommend people watch it as as, as a cult film. Mm-hmm. But it's just fucking wonderful. I just um, assumed everybody had seen that movie. I haven't. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, Buckaroo Banzai. Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Yeah. And then there's a whole thing with the rights. Like it's this weird indie like Oh, indie, it's like, one of those things kind of like. Because it was the 70s and 80s. All mm. the rights got lost to all these other companies. And the comic book rights, I think, are owned in France right now. Mm. Don't know who the fuck has the movie rights to it. Somehow right, it's on Amazon. Right. Just watch it. Almost a little bit of a Batman on the NES situation. Yeah, foreshadowing. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Uh, Hector, what did you do this week? Uh, this week, I started watching Shadow and Bone finally, which is a series on Netflix. Very, very much. And Lindsay Ellis made this point months ago and almost got canceled for it. Uh, it's very Avatar-esque. Avatar The Last Airbender, not James Cameron's Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like warring countries, then there's magic involved, but magicians are very sought after um, because they're tools of an imperialist government because, of course, they are the magicians. Right. That's how that would actually work. Um, very cool so far. I'm only like four episodes in. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Okay. it Merlin worked for the king. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm slowly starting to, and, and, and anyone, feel free to comment on this along with us, wherever you can. But I'm slowly starting to come out of quarantine brain 
And Quarantine Brain didn't let me watch shows, like good okay. shows. Right. I spent most of quarantine watching YouTube videos mm -hmm. and like movies here and there, especially around the Oscars and stuff like that. But I had a really hard time focusing on shows. Mm -hmm. It was like I had too much energy to sit there for 12, 14 hours yeah. to like watch a series. And I'm, I'm slowly starting to get back into it and catch up on stuff. Shadow and Bone was at the top of my list of things to catch because it looked the most interesting mm -hmm. to me. And yeah, it's totally kept my attention. And that's on Netflix. That is on Netflix. And I, 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 I love that you mentioned mm, Quarantine that. Brain because actually my recommendations and things that I did this week uh, come from Quarantine Brain. Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily Quarantine Brain, but more like the last four years for obvious reasons, Brain. Mm -hmm. Where I mentally always felt that I had to be checked into the news 24-7. Right. If I was in my car, NPR was on. If I got in the shower, NPR was on. Mm -hmm. Like, I constantly had to have... I constantly had to be inundated with all the news that was going on in the world because I was worried that maybe the world could end at any given point. Yep, you needed to know if the nukes for, were coming. For, for reasons that existed for, you know, over the last four years. So now I'm kind of out of that, mm. and I'm now getting back into books, mm. which that was a big thing for me. I used to love listening to audiobooks. I would shower and listen to audiobooks. I would cook and listen to audiobooks. Those were mm -hmm. the things that I loved to do. Um, so yeah, I tore into a whole bunch of books. I got to finish the, uh, best sci-fi series ever, in my opinion, the newest season of the expanse and air quotes, uh, the newest so, season, the book, book for the newest, newest season, season of the expanse. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So I got to finish that. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely fantastic. Best science so fiction. Good. They only so, get better. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> just loved it. Um, I finished yearbook by Seth Rogen, which is a, just a, a autobiography of his life and just a weird shit that's happened when you're like a stoner kid from, uh, Canada who starts stand up and was supported by his parents at 16 to become a stand up comedian. Um, I read the book, The Revolution Was Televised, which is a book that is, talks about the, this golden age of television where things changed, where uh, shows specifically starting around the HBO era of um, Oz, Six Feet Under, um, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, mm -hmm. when all of these things started happening because of shows like Oz and The Sopranos. It says, here's Oz and The Sopranos, here's the shows that, that happened because of that, and also like a little bit about Buffy, because like, Buffy took a lot of chances that other shows didn't during Very that true. time. Mm -hmm. um, and then the the last book that I'm working on, like I told you, I've been tearing through books right now. Um, the last thing, and a lot of these are, by the way, all these are available on Audible. I'm currently working on a book called uh, Press Reset by Jason Schreier. He wrote the book Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, which was just about kind of how hard it is uh, turning out a really great product in the video game industry. They, he had interviews in that book with uh, in Blood, Sweat, and Pixels with the creators of Destiny mm -hmm. and what they had to go through to make Destiny, like, you know, from what it was in Destiny 2 to, like, making it where it is now where everybody's obsessed with it. Yeah. Blood, Sweat, and Pixels is the story of inter various interviews with people in the industry about the churn of the industry. Mm -hmm. What happens when you finish a project, when you get laid off? What happens when you have to move across the country every six months because your projects are temporary? Um, it's really about shining a light about the negative sides of the industry. There's still a lot of positive in here. A lot of these game developers are saying, I still love what I do and I will keep doing it, mm -hmm. but fuck the way the industry treats us. Mm -hmm. And he Agreed. is one of the whistleblowers for the video game industry, and that's one of the reasons he wrote the book is that he wanted to say at the very beginning he says of the book people come to become game developers because they love games mm -hmm. they want to make the the magic of games happen why is the industry treating them this way and that's yeah. what this entire book is about yeah so, I, so yeah a little bit dark but that's what i've been working on nice 
uh, all highly recommended. They're all on Audible. Please pick them up. They're they're absolutely fantastic. Oh, by the way, just as a side before we wrap up, the Seth Rogen uh, book yearbook. Um, you can't uh, obviously if you love to read, pick up the book. However, I will highly recommend it on audiobook because he got all of his famous friends to come in and play parts for the various dialogues that happen. So it isn't just Seth Rogen reciting dialogue from things that happened in his life. All of his friends come in and read for those parts. Love it. So as an aside, something I forgot, if you want to see young Jeff Goldblum uh, dressed up as the most stereotypical cowboy outfit ever, I'm talking like bad, what Hollywood thinks a cowboy outfit used to look like and Clancy Brown and some nice tight pants, young Clancy Brown. This is also a reason why she watched Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, I meant to ask if the show was animated or not. If no, the movie it's, was uh, because it sounds ridiculous. It is live action, 1980s. Wow. Amazing practical effects and everything. It's there's no CGI. This was pre any of that. It is all done by ridiculous people who wanted to make movies with insane bug aliens. Right. (laughs) All right. That's everything that we have for the prelude this week. We're going to take a small break. And when we come back on the other side, we'll be going into our new segment in the weekly raid. Weekly Raid. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the Weekly Raid, our news roundup for the week. And kicking off the news this week there is a possibility that you can buy a PlayStation 5 at GameStop if you pay for their members program. And if you, and I cannot emphasize this enough, pay for the Power Up Rewards program, you can get the opportunity to get first rights to a PS5 or graphics card. Right. The program costs 20 bucks a year, and basically all it gets you is GameStop points on GameStop purchases. They're not giving me Game Informer anymore. I don't think Fuck Game them. I don't. I don't know if Game Informer is still physical. Um, it, it, even if it was, I mean, yeah, I, I, they're probably a, a collective ew coming from everybody just yeah. because you're buying great. in. This, you're buying to join a queue, right? And let's yep. not forget that this is far from a guarantee, and you're paying. Not to get on the list. You can get on the list regardless. You're paying to cut to the front of the line. Right. Which is extra gross. Right. This is this yeah. is peak fucking capitalism, y'all. This is peak uh, GameStop, too. Like, this is disgusting. When I was reading this, I was like, holy fucking shit. How dare you? And by the way, like, the media has gone after them about this and been like, uh, can you justify your actions on this? And GameStop is dead silent. Oh, yeah. They don't, they don't yeah. talk to the press yeah. about their bullshit. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. No, they can't justify it. And the game industry is under a lot more scrutiny now than it was when GameStop was popular, you know, in like 2010. I don't know. See, see, the, see the book that I'm currently reading. Yeah. Press Reset by Jason Schreier. Pick it up. It's fantastic. Uh, it's also been confirmed this week that EA Motive, who worked on Star Wars Squadrons, is remaking the 2008 horror hit Dead Space. They said they are going to be taking inspiration from the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes from the project. So this isn't just reskinning the game. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a remaster. It is a remake. remake. I'm happy that we're getting Dead Love. Space remake. Love. Because at this point, it shows its age in that it's, yeah, it was scary at the time. Slash, mm-hmm. it looked good. We can tell a prettier, scarier story now within that universe. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to play that because Dead Space is one of those games I'm like, I really want to play it, but like, it's a wonderful it kind of looks like shit right now. Mm-hmm. And one that doesn't look like shit would make me want to play well, it Well, and, and, and Dead Space has been on the top of like my to-do list. Yeah. Yeah, so, and it should be, y'all. The, the, we're talking about the great, like in my it's, it's opinion, cosmic horror. the greatest horror video game with strong emphasis on game. 
I've ever played. Yeah. And, I know we all love our Silent Hills and our early Resident Evils for like the scare factor, and I still haven't played a game scarier than the first couple of Silent Hills. But as far as like the mechanics and it being a joy to play, a joy to control, and scary and interesting with a good story and amazing graphics. Like, yeah, Dead Space was the whole package. Dead Space was the real fucking deal. And I can't wait to see what they come up with for the remake. I'm hoping that if it does well, then they'll probably revisit the other titles in the series. They really should. Yeah, Dead Space 2 and 3, while both look fine today, could honestly really use the full package. I, I was pretty sure they were going to remake one, but I was a little bit hoping for a Mass Effect style like trilogy mm, remake, yeah. which is an enormous ask. But I was, I was, I, was I don't think the fan base it. is there. I think this is more you're going to have to get the issue by issue at mm-hmm. this point, or game by game to get yeah. the remix. And that's just so they can keep seeing if the audience is there. Mm. It's it's the reason why I think that they bring up Silent Hill in it is because they want to do it the same way with the, if people keep buying these, we'll keep making new ones too. Right. That's what they want people to do. Sure. And I mean, the, I'm it, not opposed it, to that. It, it, worked, it worked for Capcom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've been pumping out these Resident Evil remakes. And if for every Resident Evil remake that we get, we get a Resident Evil 7 or 8. By yeah, all is, fucking means. You mean like, you're making your old games better and make make sense, mm-hmm. and then making the new, new ones games. good. Yeah, yeah, I want that. Yeah. So if I get it with Dead Space, I don't see a downside. Yeah. No, no, I'm loving it. Loving <laughs> Keeping it. that horror train rolling, horror studio Blumhouse announced this week that it's working on a project in the Exorcist universe. Hmm. When uh, pressed about it, they said that it will be like quote the Halloween sequel that they did. Um, going on to say that they think it will pleasantly surprise all of the skeptics out there. So let's talk about this Halloween sequel that Blumhouse did. I believe it was called Halloween Returns. Yeah, I saw that in theaters. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so that's what they're going with. So it sounds like what they're wanting to do is like, we're going to leave The Exorcist alone. Jamie Lee, and then they had, was that the mm-hmm. most recent? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. That's getting the sequel. Yes. So I'm just asking uh, the, for people in the audience. That is where... Jamie Lee Curtis's character, I can't remember her name right now, has been living in the woods for a very a long Lori time. Shrug. Right, right. She, yeah. she, she basically went full survivalist just to get away from all of that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically that's the, the road they're going to be going down with the exorcist. So like the exorcist is perfect. We're going to leave that alone. But. This is the years later. All the, all the sequels that have come out since then, they're yeah. like. Mm, we're just going to kind of ignore. Ignore those. Mm-hmm. Which is the Hollywood cool. fashion these days. That's sure. what we're doing. Yeah. And it's probably a smart move on behalf of The Exorcist. The Exorcist is a deeply religious film, which was perfectly fine at the time that it came out. Mm. Nowadays, I don't know how scary people find that type of stuff. So there was a Exorcist the show. or the religion? Well, there's... two one scarier n- than the other. Neither <laughs> matter. The, 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 uh, the, the audience itself is far less scared of religious bullshit these yeah. days. Yes. So, but the thing is, is that Fox did an Exorcist show mm-hmm. that did two seasons. Oh, really? And the fantastic... It was a really good show. Oh, like, wow. I, it, it's all on Hulu. You can watch it right now. Hmm. But The Exorcist show, the great thing about it is that they kept not talking about how it exists in the Exorcist universe. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the first season, I'm not going to spoil it, it directly like hard lines into the first movie. And you're like, okay. how did I not see that coming? Hmm. Nice. Like, holy crap, that was good. Yeah. Um, so it, I, for me, that was a pretty high bar because I was like, I don't know, an Exorcist TV show. They did really well with it. That's um, surprising. So, but Blumhouse is a notoriously great horror studio. Um, I actually did like the, um, Halloween returns or whatever it was yeah, called. Yeah, I liked it. So honestly, I'm, I'm, this is my personal bias. I am a sucker for a good exorcism movie. Mm-hmm. It's just my jam. That's good. I understand it is not for everybody. 
I'm invested at least that I'm going to see it probably in theaters. Mm-hmm. All right. Keeping the horror train rolling. We talked a little bit about the fact that Dexter's returning. Showtime has brought Dexter back for a, a 10 episode renewal. Yeah. Uh, and if you're a big fan of Dexter, you're in luck because it turns out that John Lithgow, who plays the Trinity killer in the original series is going to be returning for this series. Now, what? how he's going to be returning is going to be kind of a bigger question. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty sure. because he was probably the best character in yeah. all of the like, Dexter but series, like, but, but he died. He super died. Did spoilers, he die? I can't remember what he happened. He died. There, so really. spoilers for the it's end of season time. four of Dexter, yeah. which came out in like 2006 <laughs> or eight or something, I think. But yeah, I I don't care how he comes back. He's the best thing that happened to that show. That was probably the best Michael season. It was the best season. Yeah. Like, and I really liked the first season of Dexter. Yeah. Four was better because of John Lithgow. Yeah. He was remarkably really downhill. Yeah. yeah, the show the, the show waffled a bit between seasons, but in general, yeah. it was really uneven. I mean, to be fair, the books that they were based on also has a book where he has a weird monster thing that I mean, the the Dark Passenger actually becomes a, is a part of a demon. Oh, that's bullshit. actually like a part of the books, like yeah. that's an actual thing. Which is why when they, they tried to do that show, everybody's like, "What the fuck are you doing? That is dumb. Don't do that." But yeah, yeah John Lith- John Lithgow coming back. John Lithgow coming back to Dexter. I'm super excited about mm-hmm. it. Um, I was already kind of into this because I was like, you know what? If they're going to go back and just make a 10 episode mini series, mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. Them just saying, that's what it is. This is yeah. the end. Let's fix that weird ending and go from there. Mm-hmm. Bring everybody back. That yeah. I mean, he, they all live in his fucking head. He's a serial killer. Yeah. He's fucking tri- <laughs> he literally has conversations with his dead father every fucking day. That's true. So true his that. dead, not fucking serial killer father. Yeah. Everybody showing up. Everybody's to show okay. up and live in Michael C. Hall's head, which is where we all probably are a simulation of anyway. That's fine. It's a comfortable place to be, I think. Yeah. All, he's, a, he's a very handsome gentleman. If I was going to live in anyone's head, I'd, I'd be like, oh, well, serial killer could do it's worse. Like being John Malkovich, <laughs> yeah. but we are a simulation inside. My, yeah, my there skull. are way worse ways, places you can live <laughs> than in a serial killer's head, honestly. All right. Uh, Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles are coming to the small screen with AMC producing a series based on Interview with the Vampire. All right. Mark Johnson will be producing it, and he's worked on series such as Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Good. I hope they take exactly the title and nothing else and create a good show. Anne Rice and I believe her son at least have producing credits, but Mm -hmm. we do not know if that's a producing producing credit or just an honorary, you wrote the books, but we're doing the show thing. The executive producer title of you get an executive producer title. Right. There's there's, there's a lot of things that you can do having the original author on set. They can answer questions. They can explain motivations. Mm -hmm. They can do a lot of cool stuff. However, I firmly and wholeheartedly believe, without knowing who they are, that the writers for this show are better writers than Anne Rice. So, (laughs) at this, like, like, so I hope the, the, I hope her influence is minimal, basically, is what I'm saying. It should surprise nobody that I obsessively read the interview of the vampire series. Oh, for sure. Um, And in retrospect, I'm like, they were good. Um, I've definitely read better vampire fiction since then. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they could do with taking the footnotes from Anne Rice and really diving into those characters. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird because like Anne Rice, she waffles between which are the good books and which are the bad books. Like we thought interview of the vampire was really good. Then we read vampire. Let's stop. Like that's a better book. Mm -hmm. And then queen of the dam came out and we're like, eh, that's fine. And then like five or six more books happened and they were, eh, and, and then, like, Mem- make movies out of then like Memnock the Devil happened. They're like, holy shit, like, this is amazing. I fucking love this one. Um, so I'm hoping that they kind of just 
grind it all down and like get to the core essence of it. Because yeah. honestly, I do believe that Interview of the Vampire, while we have had movies based on the, that property before, I think it honestly would lend itself better to a TV series like something on AMC. That's fair. Yeah, I feel like most books have that issue. You don't see like how this could very easily play out to be very kind of annoying for a very long I mean his show could go on for a very long time on the idea of like I mean well he's, he's it's cooked. a vampire I've got like 300 years of like so this season's <laughs> about the, all the the, uh, the 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 redheads I banged and the next one's gonna be around the, the blondes no it's that's a Lestat book apparently and, yeah and you can you can think about all the different chapters like well this is gonna jumping around for different timetables between the 60s and 70s and 1860s and mm-hmm. 1870s and 1730s or what the fuck well ever. as of right they now got a lot to play with timeline wise mm-hmm. as of right now we only know that they're based they're calling an interview of the vampire and that's most likely going to be based on the first book cool but i cannot imagine if they're going to be turning this into a series they're not going to be jumping into the other books because that first like, that first yeah i mean that, you, that, you're going to run out of book like yeah i mean we saw the interview with the vampire movie and somebody who's read that book they they pretty much got the whole thing down in two hours and and, and not only that but like the formula just lends itself to that you were like the the show is called interview with a vampire i'm gonna sit down across from a vampire and he's gonna tell me stories from his fucking like 900 year old past i'm gonna be here a while i will say uh as as chad's pointed out amc also has the license to uh to uh the Mayfair Witches, that which, is, an, which is another property. I have not read those books. Okay. Uh, but a lot of people seem to be more excited, or as much, if not more excited, for Mayfair Witches than they are in Interview of the Vampire. There's a so. lot more witches in, t- in pop culture right now than people realize. Like, oh, yeah. I'm watching like, witches. Uh, the, like multiple shows that have witches mm-hmm. as like, that's the plot. And I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. I'll as somebody who just spent this last week adopting and bringing a new cat into my life that I've named Salem, mm-hmm. there are more witches in this household now. More witches. There are three witches in this household. Because yep. of the three animals, we have Willow, we have Ginny Weasley, and then we have Salem now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's where we're at. Witch, yep. Witches for days here. Witch animals. Yep. Yeah, witch animals for days. All right, Tom Welling, best known for his role as Clark Kent on the WBCW series Smallville, announced over the app, Cameo, which is an app where you can pay a famous person to send a message to somebody else. Right. That he and Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor on Smallville, are secretly working on a Smallville animated series. Nice. The CW has not confirmed that project is in the works, however. (laughs) Michael Rosenbaum is an amazing Lex Luthor. In fact, go back and like just go on YouTube. Somebody's got us a highlight reel. I I don't know that there is, but somebody has to make a highlight reel of like the two of them. Mm. They are both fucking great as Superman and Lex Luthor. If you know Superman and Lex Luthor are in their twenties and on the yeah. WB in the early 2000s. Yeah. So, yeah, I've never <laughs> seen great. an episode of Smallville. It's just not my oh, jam. My dude, you've missed out. I don't, I don't know if I have. Smallville, so Smallville so walked so that Arrow could run. Right. And so uh, uh, eventually I got <laughs> so tired of Arrow as well. I got all the way to the end of Arrow because Arrow ended. Yeah. But like the whole, like like if the show is CW quality, I've a little bit grown out of shows of that quality. Yeah. Um, that being said, I I know how much I loved shows like that back in the day, mm-hmm. and um, so Smallville is essentially yeah. how I put this. It is superhero Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what I always heard, yeah. and I didn't. I wasn't a fan of Dawson's Creek. I wasn't either. But mm. that's the best analogy that I have. That's fair. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is what it is. All wrong and about Dawson's Creek. It's awesome. The, um, it probably it was my first love. It's just it was not my first. I think it's important it to the... point out here that if they're doing a uh, Smallville 
uh, animated series, uh, there is at least one actress that will not be there because <laughs> yeah. she just she just got put away for jail for three years. Ooh, yeah. Dude, you could just call her over the phone, I guess. <laughs> you, you know, you Would can... you like to make some money while in jail? Read these lines on your prison phone, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Uh, Square Enix is all in on celebrating the 30th anniversary of the monasteries. Uh, this last week, they've announced a mobile game called Echoes of Mana that brings in characters from all the different Mana games. Mm-hmm. They announced an anime series called Legend of Mana, the Teardrop Crystal. Cool. And they ended their presentation by teasing a new full game in the Mana series for modern consoles, mm. um, which is a pretty big deal because it's been a while. It's a very big deal. Um, yeah, it's been like a really long like time Like a decade since, <laughs> since we've had one of those. Uh, but more details are to come for that for later. Okay. Just a- okay, so cool. So we're going to see that in like, uh, this is what, the 30th anniversary yeah. we're celebrating? We'll see that at the 40th anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Because we know how Square Enix likes to take these, because this has got to be a passion project made by a small team, mm-hmm. because the secret of, mm-hmm. for, because yeah. you know they're spending most of their time on Final Fantasy stuff and larger projects. Sure. Secret mm-hmm. of Mana is not a big seller. I hear there's an entire um, department de- uh, dedicated to trying to salvage the Avengers right now. So. Oh, yeah, probably. And <laughs> they, they, they have need an to, they need a company to... actually working on just trying to make that game work. Yeah, they need to put those people on a better project. Like, they don't yeah. deserve that. Maybe Secret of Mana, because this is, is actually true. really cool. I like the idea that we're mm-hmm. finally getting, uh, this is kind of introducing a whole new generations to Secret of Mana for a, like, especially a console yeah. version. We're getting like a new, like, good triple A yeah. version, not a and, and honestly, the, the yeah. Mana games, if you've gone through and played them, while I haven't loved all of them, they've been very, very different. It, they've been action RPGs the mm-hmm. whole way through. The basic combat system works. But yeah. they always try and play and do something different with the game mechanic systems. Like, um, you know, Secret of Mana was just a straight action RPG, whereas like... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Legend of Mana was the one where you could like build the world as you yeah. as you played it and like it was I didn't love the game but I loved the concept of them just doing something so different. They're like combat's great, let's keep the combat where it is. Mm-hmm. Now let's fuck with everything else. And like yeah. if they go into this next project with that kind of childhood sensibility of just trying to just mm-hmm. do something new and different within that universe, I'm so on board for that. Yeah, and let's not forget that Secret of Mana was an action RPG before there were really action RPGs. Most RPGs RPG combat at the time, especially JRPGs, was entirely turn-based, yep. entirely an entire separate screen from the one that you know you were experiencing the world in. Menus, and so many menus, all the menus. <laughs> God, I remember when Square Enix used to take risks like that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Parasite Eve and Vagrant Story that deserve actual fucking sequels. Give us another Parasite Eve. You That's cowards. good. That's good. That please, is good. And yes. please don't sexualize your main character. Like, please, yeah, stop. there's please no stop doing that. Um, All right, so a report by Axios came out this week that a company called Player One, W-O-N, has finally perfected its in-game advertising platform. The tech that they're working on would essentially find new ways to seamlessly add in advertising into games. Their reasoning for this tech, in giant air quotes, is because... According to them, younger people are cord cutters and as such are unreachable via traditional forms of advertising. Yeah, that's because we hate fucking commercials. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I personally the, the, think that we should get rid of billboards entirely. We should not allow them anymore. The, the idea of sneaking commercials into other stuff because we hate their commercials is... Stupid. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Before before we get on the anger train, mm-hmm. I just want to point out All right. that we have said on the show in the past that if you want to put advertising in games, there are times when it makes sense. Say you are playing uh, Forza mm-hmm. and 
natural billboards are there that right. you would probably see while you're doing the thing. Yeah, you can put anything um, on them. You, like My favorite car- was, SS, was SSX back in the day had a Honda. What was the the Honda Elements were in those. Mm-hmm. You had Mountain Dew billboards and yep. stuff in them. You yep. had these actual things that were put in there by companies that were get, that paid to have that put in that game forever. Mm-hmm. And I was going, why we have the internet? You can just update that to whatever the fuck advertisement yeah. you want. Yeah. And apparently the the idea that I had a long time ago was a good one. Right. Yeah. But the idea that they're <laughs> coming up with money. now is not something that is like, let's just put a billboard up that yeah. changes. Right. It's the... We're talking you're, about you're an waiting, actual played you, ad yeah, like you're waiting over a loading a, screen. Yeah. You're waiting at a load screen and then boom... Here's your advertisement for Mountain Dew. Yeah. Just wait till the game recognition realizes there's a square poster inside of a game and you can just insert whatever artwork you want inside of that and go, oh, cool. Here's an actual poster for a movie that's coming out inside of your game because that is less for free. That is less offensive to me than me paying $70 for a title and when I'm waiting for something to load, them being like, here's the newest show coming to Cinemax. Like, no, I don't want this. Yeah, no. If they do that, um, I will not buy that game. Like, straight up. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. I'm not going to sit through an ad in a game that I I bought I'm just like gonna, straight up I'm confusing the hell like essentially in my brain this is the load screen thing and like mm-hmm. so we're just they finally realize you can change the text from loading to buy splorks right, right. and, and, and it, it, like it can't be a mini game because someone has that patented right. so it's yeah. gotta be a commercial and I'm surprised it took them so long to do this but also like it will be the most hated decision in history. Yeah. It will be the most downvoted video anyone's ever seen. The only reason that people put up with this in mobile games, because it does exist in mobile games. Because they're free. Because they're free games. Yeah. They're free games. And they're like, all right, so I have to watch like a 10 second ad before I get to Clash of Clans mm-hmm. thing that I'm doing. But he, and, yeah. and those are even like usually done voluntarily. So mm-hmm. you're playing Clash of Clans. You're like, here's, you can get free in-game currency if you watch a couple ads and people go, all right, cool. I'm watching TV anyway. I'll just hit yeah. the button and let it play and then get my free currency or whatever. Right. But when it comes to a $70 AAA experience, I don't think that people are going to receive this well. No, definitely Unless not. your game requires it to have so, multiplayer, you just go into airplane mode, it won't play commercial, it won't play ads. So, so the That's billboard true. thing has been around, for everybody. Yeah. has been around since the original Battlefield 2042. Mm-hmm. They had like ruined cities because it was the future and we were doing war, but there were billboards and they like advertisers can like, you can put like Pepsi on this billboard and mm-hmm. it'd be like fine. And then everyone was like, why are the billboards so clean? It's like everything else literally ruined future. Mm-hmm. And the game obviously went away after a while, as multiplayer games are wont to do. And yeah, now there's, I, I guess they're blank. I don't know what they did with those billboards. It should default back to a base asset. Right, but but they're but those are fine. Like, I don't I don't care about that. Um, unless it's somehow ruining the game or, you know, ruining the, the immersion, I don't care about that. What when it I, feels out of place when you're, when you're going right. to a horror game and you're like, why is there a glowing mm-hmm. sporkle ad over yeah. on this? Like, mm-hmm. why is yeah. this here? What, what, what I will not tolerate and what I know is probably coming somewhere down the line because video games are going to video game and capitalism is going to capitalism is me playing a triple A Last of Us-esque like single player story and then being like, this is loading. Do you want to see an ad? Now, mind you, this has already been experimented with before. If you mm-hmm. remember about a year ago, the newest UFC came, game came yep. out. Mm-hmm. And what they did was, is before they would go to the replay after you did something yeah. UFC. It was brought big, to you by. Yeah, they would do mm-hmm. brought to you by and show a commercial. And yeah. people got 
furious to the point where EA had to take that feature really, out. Yeah, it, it, it was, been, was so like, poorly. If you watch UFC, that's exactly how it goes. It's actually making the game more realistic. Yeah, but, but it's so poorly implemented in the idea of a game because when you're watching UFC on pay-per-view, th that's one thing. It's a passive experience. It's a passive experience. In a game, if you're like, I just want to, I just want, no, I'm doing a thing. You're mm -hmm. stopping me from doing the thing to tell me about Tide. I'm going to go find you and make you drink this Tide yeah. for, for, for putting this commercial in my game i'm just trying to punch someone yeah. already make pissed me off punch you with tide yeah like, all right ugh. we have a few more things to cover before we wrap up the news this week uh in lighter news now that we've argued about advertising a little bit mm -hmm. uh, amazon has greenlit good omens 2 for a season two fuck yes if you're curious mm -hmm. as to how this could happen with sir terry pratchett dead rest in peace you're in luck neil gaiman in a blog post this week stated that in their time hanging out at conventions together they would constantly bounce ideas off of one another for a sequel to Good Omens. And specifically, a evening in 1989, they were uh, attending a, con a convention. The U.S. rights were just sold, and they just started getting paid for the U.K. rights. I mean, by the way, I also read it. So Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, because I was really they, interested. I went, Wait a second. They were getting more Good mm -hmm. Omens. This is a book, and that dude's Day. Yeah, like yeah. How you have to justify this, and mm -hmm. rightfully so. Neil Gaiman went, okay, I have to justify this, and he yeah. did very much so. Go, we actually they wrote out a bunch of things, mm -hmm. and some of the stuff that felt weird from the TV show, from mm -hmm. the books, mm -hmm. went, oh, those were things that we'd planned for the second book. Yeah, and it's like, like, oh, okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. That's it. Wasn't just random shit they yeah. added. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. all the additional content in the Good Omen yeah, show it's... was from the sequel. So, with, with all of the love and care and attention and quality and money the BBC put into the first season, I mean, if they do it again, uh, Amazon. Sorry, it was Amazon, but I think it the BBC code. as it well, right? Code. Yeah. Well, with all the money that was shoved into that, and like all of the passion that went into that show, and like the actors, holy shit. They're all back. Yeah, if they, the if they want to do that again, just just give me more funny John Ham. Always give me more funny John Ham, and I will watch whatever the fuck you put in front. I will of me. do. I will watch anything with John Ham. Go back and finish the um, uh, uh, the girl trapped in the underneath. John Ham kidnapped her and put her in the pit under the basement. I don't like series. No, Don Ham played you know, a bad guy. Yeah, in the it was a series? comedy. It's it's um. Wait, are you talking about the one with um, Daniel Radcliffe? No, that no. one I did watch. That no. one's great. Yeah, that's the. Uh, the you, you're talking Netflix. about a Netflix show that I completely missed out on. It didn't even recommend it to me because if it had John Hamm's face on it, I don't watch it. Yeah, that's very true. That bitch with the bat. Y'all do not remember the show. Oh, you're talking oh, about oh, Unbreakable, you're talking about Kimmy, Unbreakable Schmidt. Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. Yes, so, yes, yes we all watched get, it. Okay, yes. so the, the show you were that, sorry. There is a movie. Yes, that is. It's very interactive. Party monster. What? It's the very. It's the exploration of John Hamm's backstory, character backstory from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Okay. I couldn't remember Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That was the long way to get me to remember yeah. what that was. Okay. If you haven't That's watched, my fault. The show the you were describing specific John Hamm Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt movie that they made. It's fun. Yeah. I love that none of us knew what Tony was talking about. Well, because until he, he, until he started, so dark. Until he started singing, I beat that bitch with a bat. Which I went, is even yeah. worse because oh. I was starting so dark. I was like, this is not going to help. It's the song yeah. I remember like, from the John show. Hamm locked a girl in the basement for years. You're what just fucking the movie is this? With what the fuck is... Yeah. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt people. Still one of my favorite moments in that show is like going back to old footage of John Hamm in the bunker. Like 
like doing stupid moves and saying karate, 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 <laughs> and like, oh, I died. You don't I think that John Ham that was just footage of John Ham? I'm pretty sure that was Probably just footage was just of John Ham. Yeah, yeah, that's just his exercise routine. Speaking of beating people with a bat, stay in John Ham shape. Yeah, there's a, there was another controversy in the Smash Brothers tournament scene that Uh-oh. came up this week, where <laughs> Smash Pro player. Uh, Tyler Mars Martins Mm -hmm. said that top ranked players, him being one of them, Uh. should take priority when it comes to signing up for tournaments, i.e. if they miss the deadline for signing up for a tournament or the slots to a tournament get filled up too quickly because they are a top tournament winner, they should automatically kick somebody out that is lower ranked who signed up before them. Does the ranking matter within signing up for these tournaments? No. No, no. Everyone's an equal footing. then, Then no. If you are going, if unless you are going into a tournament going like, all right, you've got 1,500 points, so you're automatically given right. this placement, yep. right. which so, is generally part of a bigger tournament thing. Now, the internet has generally <laughs> argued this was a bad call. Yeah. Well, no. this was a bad thing to say because, I mean... <laughs> no one liked that. Tournament yeah. to tournament, this is going to make a huge impact. Going all the way back to Dota and the international... What happens is, is there are certain teams, you could call the certain players, if, it's, if we're relating this back to Smash, that are invited right. to the tournament. Mm-hmm. They obviously get a spot because mm-hmm. we know they're going to fight. They're going to fight each other. They're some of the top-ranked teams, but they still play the bracket. They absolutely still play the bracket. And I think maybe that's what he wanted for smaller tournaments, but there are a lot of no, small no. Smash tournaments. No, no. Everything about this has come up to light. And I did a lot of research about this. Okay. I, I messaged Brooklyn about it. Yeah, yeah. I was, like, I was like, give me your input about this. He's like, this comes up every year. I assume. And basically what happens is, is that people who are top-tier fighting game players mm-hmm. miss the deadline for signing up for a tournament they wanted to participate in. Maybe they were participating in another tournament. Right. Maybe they fucked off. Maybe they did something. Well, the, the signups they, are also filled in like minutes, right? Right. It, it yeah. happens really fast. Mm-hmm. And they feel like they have an obligation because they are, quote, good, yes. that good they, de- they deserve to be... Job. Right. They, yeah, they deserve to be in that in that tournament. Right. Well, guess what, bro? Like, sign, sign If you up. are that yeah. good and you deserve to be in that tournament, get a manager no. whose job is to get you. Think about what counterpoint. Counterpoint. All right, but I, I just want to say. Go ahead. I, Think about if you went to Evo. We, mm-hmm. You and I decided to go to yeah. Las Vegas, go to Evo for the mm-hmm. first time, play some guilty gear because that's yeah. the hot Just shit throw this on year. Some strive. Yeah. Right. Right. But we know that we're low tier. Oh, yes. But we just want to go for the experience of going. Right. We could, but we could just go to Vegas together. We'll lose in the first round. We'll go drinking afterwards. Yep. I'm telling you, I've already got a plan for this. I'm down. Um, But that's what we would do. But what if we paid all this money to get the flight, to do everything to go to Evo, and that because somebody didn't sign up for the tournament on time, comes in and says, well, I'm ranked fifth in Guilty Gear. Um, I guess kick those two out so I can get a spot. Yeah. Mm-mm. Super not cool. That's not how reservations work. If a tournament decides it wants the top tier players to play, invite them. Mm-hmm. If not, they're in there with the rest of the slubs, with the rest of the, you know, plebes like us. And that's what the tournament is doing. Look, I know it's great to watch Mango fight, you know, literally anybody in Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. It's always a good time. Um, as long as they're worthy of facing him. But, yeah, a lot of the times when you watch mass tournaments, the low ranks are like, yeah, people fucking two-stocking people because the equality isn't there. But that's fine. That's how tournaments go. The entire tournament doesn't need to be like epic matchup versus epic matchup. And just so this character knows, we're not all just there to see him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, straight up. 
I, I get wanting a tournament to be more organized, but if, if this was Evo, that'd be one thing. But this wasn't about Evo, was it? No, it wasn't. No. Evo doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah. E- Evo does its own thing when it comes to, like, yeah. professionals and getting up there and getting people signed yeah. in. Anybody can sign up for Evo, basically. Yeah. And I understand that pro players do run the tournament circuit to make enough money to live. They absolutely do. But like Tony said, they need a manager or a publicist whose job it is is to sign them up for tournaments and to be on the ball about it. Otherwise, you have no one to blame but yourself. Mm. And it's not the obligation of anyone holding and running a tournament to save you a spot, no matter how good you are. I completely agree. It's like somebody saying, hey, don't you know who I am on Twitch? And go, no. I I I have no fucking clue. I don't care. You didn't sign up in time. Yeah, that yeah. does means nothing to me. Yeah, no. Even if I did know who they were mm-hmm. on Twitch, I'd be like, yeah, but did you sign up? Yeah. So here's yeah. all the people who signed up. Um, they've which, already paid their fees. Yeah, they've already paid their fees. Which one of them do you want me to kick out? I'll go get them, and y'all can talk. And there has been a, a long-standing up. history, from what Brooklyn was telling me, of these backdoor deals where people will. Um, forget to sign up for a tournament mm-hmm. and then that player will pay somebody to take their slot. That yeah. is a thing that actually And you happens. know what? If you want to do that, if you want to pay someone on the roster enough money that they give you their slot, fucking go for it. Yeah, yeah. no, like if I we went to Evo and mm-hmm. it's like, cool, so this guy wants your spot and we're like, 500 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That'd, yeah. be, That'd be great. Like, I'm going to go I'm spend gonna, that. I'm going to take your 500 <laughs> bucks. I'm going to go put it on red. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going to go do. Like, seriously. But that's that. on the, I don't really give, I'm there for the experience to have fun with friends and do things. But yeah. if I'm there for my first time, I'm going to fucking compete and mm-hmm. I am planning yeah. on kicking some yeah. ass. And he's like, no, we're kicking you out. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go kick your ass at this game. And then we're going to go see. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, it brings up the, just, just now thinking about it, it brings up the whole concept of fresh blood to me. Mm-hmm. Because if every mm-hmm. tournament was like, and here's mm-hmm. the five slots we slay for the top players, one of them is going to win this tournament. So I hope you all had fun not winning the prize. Thanks right. for signing up and giving me your money. Like, yeah. How do you get anyone into the system, into the community that is ever going to be able to match these people if they have a spot reserved in every tournament and they're just going to beat you over and over again? Like, you need the experience. The fighting game community, the FGC, is a very inclusive or they they want to bring everybody into it. Mm -hmm. No matter who you are, no matter what your age is, we should always have somebody training to be bigger, harder, you know, faster. Yeah. You know, you think you're top of the game right now in Mortal Kombat. You think you're yeah. best in Street Fighter. Guess what? Someday somebody's going to take you down and you're going to shake their hand and you're going to be okay with it mm-hmm. because that kid probably trained their ass off and grew up watching you. Yep. Like there are people right now that watch Daigo growing up in his amazing Street Fighter plays. Yep. And what they said was, someday I want to beat that man. Yeah. So we're going to have to have a movie where we have an old video game player taking the wing of a younger video game player because we've already got it with every training fucking sports at this point we have it with robots we've got it with every like have people not gotten the idea you're supposed to take the younger people and go, yes, we would help you? Well, <laughs> we just don't have any movies not in about America. esports yet, and I feel yeah. like it's about time. Yeah, we'll and, get like, there. It's about time. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. count The Wizard as being the first one about esports because I mean, it does have a competition at the end of it where they had to play Super Mario. That's true. They were winning. They, they, they were. It, there was a prize involved. Yes, yeah, yeah they, they, they were there to do a thing. And the Nintendo maybe, World Cup was a thing that maybe. happened back then. It was a local contest at a mall. I'm not sure I would like call uh, Not at the end. No, the, the end, end was, was universal. The they had yeah, to get oh, right. points. That's right. had to go, they had to travel across the country gaining Because they got to play California. Super Mario Welcome everybody to our new end. podcast yeah. where we just discussed the, the movie The Wizard at length. I mean, yeah. I could 
Yeah, that's that's a legit thing. People will give us money to do a podcast that was just yeah. that. We could call the podcast It's So Bad. <laughs> it's, it's oh my God. So Somebody's going to steal that idea from us. All right, it's moving really on. Good we have idea. Two Don't last, steal my idea. Two last uh, fast items here to talk about. Um, Sony made some power purchases this week. Mm-hmm. First up, they acquired the PC porting studio Nixus who uh, used to bring things like Square Enix games like Tomb Raider and Deus Ex to the PC. Great PC ports, by the way. So let's talk, let's, let's spend a couple seconds on this. I've never played them on PC, are This they? is a big I'm, I'm, deal. They're, they're fantastic PC ports. Okay. Like, they, they are... So they, I played the console ones, and yeah. I like those. Yeah, Tomb Raider <laughs> PC ports are always top-notch. They take advantage of all the technology that isn't on consoles. Like I also the, didn't think Tomb Raider had been ported over to PC, because, like... Oh, yeah. I, well, think about the modern yeah. ones. It, yeah, the modern ones. Yeah, like, they're, yeah. they're so good. They're yeah. just, like... They've they all look been ported. like they're made to have been played Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah they look like they were designed for PC, right? But no, they were ported. And in the first one, they put in, like, NVIDIA Hairworks... Uh, the second one had all kinds of crazy physics that wasn't on consoles. Uh, multiple so they, people still use, uh, for graphics card testing, still use uh, that because the hair works. Oh, it's still, yeah. It still knocks it, some graphics cards mm, around. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it is extra thing. But um, yeah, great studio for ports. And they they might have a lot of games to be porting to PC pretty soon because I feel like that's going to be their next, like, we need to branch out moves. They absolutely Because no one can buy a PS5. Yeah, and uh, speaking of, just uh, real quick to deviate from what we were talking about, uh, Chad had an excellent idea. If you actually do want to contribute to our Patreon and have us do an entire episode just about the movie The Wizard, we will be forced to watch that movie again and do an episode about it. So yeah. I'm just throwing that out there into the ether. That is a thing that you Not can do. Forced to. I will happily love every moment of watching The Wizard. <laughs> we again. will. Okay, so I, I don't want to. I, 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 I don't want to announce thing. this on air in case we don't want to do this. But I think it might be a good idea if we make that video to record us watching it and like edit in snippets of our like. Oh, I already have. I already have a plan. Reactions like the whole yeah. thing. It could be yeah. a whole thing. It I would love that. Please thing. donate to our Patreon so we can watch the wizards in in wonderful fashion. And we can have wizard versus wizards. Oh god, that would be a horrible. Because back- those two movies have nothing to <laughs> do with each have other. Nothing to do with each other. All right. <laughs> Final bit of news for the week, and this is the final big move from Sony, was their purchase of House Marquee, the developer behind the wildly popular PS5 exclusive Returnal. Mm-hmm. This is big. I, I, I was going to argue purchase. a moment because it was like wildly popular PS5. You mean the five people who have one? No, it actually is a really ridiculously popular title. Yeah, it's, it's probably <laughs> the game that everyone with a PS5 has. Yeah, yeah, yeah that honestly. and Demon Souls. That and Demon Souls, exactly. Yeah, um, great game, and they've made a lot of great games in the past. Super Stardust, fucking loved it. Uh, Dead Nation, I can't believe fucking they went from, loved it. I cannot believe they went from Super Stardust, which if you have never seen it or played it, it's just like... An old school 80s. Yeah, twin stick shooter. shooter. Yeah. Like it looks so primitive. And then they made Returnal, which is one of the most gorgeous games that I have ever seen. It's really beautiful. Fuck that game. Uh, fuck holding that controller and feeling raindrops <laughs> yeah. in a controller. What the actual fuck? Yeah. They, so Sony just bought them? Yes. Yes, so Sony just bought them. And that's a good yeah. move because yeah, no, they, Sony doesn't have a lot of shooters these days that are just like shooters for the sake of shooters. Which well, is funny because they had Killzone, but Killzone went on to become right, well, that's Horizon what, Zero Dawn. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> so so FPS, very different. And Sony really doesn't do FPS. They don't. Oh my like God, it. I didn't even think about this. Fucking Super Stardust is a twin stick shooter. Mm-hmm. Returnal is basically a twin stick bullet hell shooter. Yes, it is. But with. Amazing. But, 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 but 3D Whoa. with all the amazing trappings of everything. Holy That's what fucking they've been doing. shit. Dead Nation was basically a twin stick shooter in third person, but it was ARPG uh, yeah, frame that. rather than, you know, third person I behind the shoulder. I played that on my Vita. So they're really just yeah. moving the camera around. Dead Nation was great. 
Oh my god! So they have a system they do. My mind is fucking blown. It evolved. <laughs> wow, those graphics, fucking from that point. All right. So, anyways, this House Marquee makes amazing yeah. games, and then please make more games faster. Like I, I see a House Mark game like once every so often. They have another great game you should probably check out on PC called um, uh, at Next uh, Nexus into the Nexus, something like that. I'll look mm. it up for you afterwards. I promise. Um, but that's a wonderful twin stick shooter, bullet hell, the whole deal. Literally the thing that they so do. So good. Yeah. Wow. This is a huge move for Sony. I thought, I feel like we all kind of saw this coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we oh, were, yeah. we, they had already yeah. been putting out exclusives for Sony for a while. Yeah. Returnal was a, was a Sony exclusive. Uh, Hector, you had some trepidation when we talked about this at lunch today, though. You said there was something you were worried about with Sony acquiring the studio, and that had specifically to do with your friends waiting for Returnal. Yes. I have two friends that couldn't, that saw Returnal and were like, I can't get a PS5 or I don't want a PS5. Not my deal. I really want to play that game. I need this on PC. And it just it just didn't come out. And they were super pissed because they couldn't play it, either because, yeah, like I said, they didn't want the console or they just flat out can't get one. Mm. And one of my friends, Lash, who used to be on this show, said I would buy a PS5 to play this game. Mm. And he just can't. It's just can't. impossible to get one. Unless so, you pay 20 bucks to get lost because yeah. people, I'm not going to remember this game whenever I do have get be able to AMX to get a PS5. Right. And unless... It's great this being Bob, but maybe Sony does that like, hey, we also put this game out for everybody else because right. this is doing really maybe well. Maybe hopefully they bought Housemark and Nixus at the same time and they're like, okay, guys, you need to kiss. No, no yeah, no we need we need this game on Steam like yesterday, right next, right up there next to Horizon Zero Dawn. It would sell millions of copies. I would love that if that was Sony's it plan would. was to yeah. put out more games on PC. And they have said that they are wanting to do that. Yeah. Mm. Let's just throw some air quotes around it though because... Yeah. While we have gotten them from a couple of different studios, those are studios that have mm-hmm. been historically uh, further away from Sony's Correct. umbrella. Mm-hmm. Like much with like Horizon Zero Dawn, that mm-hmm. is a studio. It's like, yeah, we they let us do what the fuck we want, mm-hmm. but there are also some studios are like Sony's. Like we're never going to let you put your shit on PC. Right. I, I think we're doing a little like. bit better these days because it looks like we're about to get Uncharted Four on PC. Which God help me, I will probably buy and Dude, play. If I can get a PC Uncharted Lord, collection, you, I'm gonna have so much if fun. If you tell yeah. me, all you gotta say is like Bloodborne really 60 oh, FPS yeah. PC. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm gonna have to take my pants off for this one. Yeah, if we ever so get Bloodborne, I don't on think PC, it's coming to. I will there there die. are certain titles and uh, that they are part of the umbrella that Sony's like gonna know mm-hmm. this will never be allowed yeah. to come to PC. Yeah, Bloodborne's probably one. Of them. Bloodborne yeah. is one, one of them. Every, everything else that they make can yeah. go... Yeah. You gotta have those consoles that, exclusives. You gotta have That's the console yeah. exclusives and right now, I mean, the Housemark was... Uh, the uh, Returnal was really popular. That yeah. was Housemark. And they, um, you know, they bought uh, Bluepoint. We do not have confirmation. We do not have confirmation that they that, bought Which is Bluepoint. why I did not bring that but up. But in 10 years, these console exclusive things is really gonna come out and bite Sony in the fucking ass. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, because it's already biting play- them in the ass on Uncharted. That's why they're thinking about porting it, right? Yeah, they, they're... It's there's it. I, I want to say that they're seeing the writing on the wall, but they're mm-hmm. they're still not. Maybe the acquisition of a new porting studio is a good sign, mm-hmm. but I'm still I still feel that like in ten years we're gonna watch the rest of the world going like cool. So we have Microsoft, Nintendo, we um, Steam, yeah. We have all these other companies, and you have Sony over here by itself going. We only make a console, and everybody's going like we gave up on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I see that within 10 years if they do not start moving along with everybody else. Because yeah. we've seen Nintendo going, yeah, we're going to start putting other people's shit on our shit because 
that makes money, yeah. you might want to start catching up with the fucking times. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope they, I mean, I hope they, they, like, ramp up the development of their PC ports. It, it, the idea Buy more to me, PC port companies. The idea yeah, to me of them having a PC port company and developing a game and having, like, Nixus in tandem being like, okay, how do we put, get this on PC would be amazing. Yeah. Like, let's see some of that, Sony. They are, they've already have a couple of other studios that do amazing PC ports. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it High Moon Studios is still a Sony exclusive. Yeah. Uh, that's a Sony Studio. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, I am incorrect that I'm talking about Activision. My bad. Oh. I got, I, I my, that's okay. It wires happens. crossed. Yes. No, but they have other, they have other uh, studios that are, mm-hmm. do PC ports very right. well. And they have a library of shit that, yeah, it equals everybody else's library of shit. They yeah. just won't let anybody else have access to it. A lot of yeah. stuff that could use just a PC release, or much better, we, a nice solid remake yeah. or remaster. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to keeping these things, mm-hmm. when we want these PC remasters, or just bringing them into a larger player base mm-hmm. where people have more access to them, it allows for what we'll talk about soon: mm-hmm. games to continue on. Yep. Correct. And I feel like the idea of them getting more of their games onto Steam to uh, Steam, the PC in general, I say Steam because that's the market that I buy in, but having more and more games on my PC that I can load up and get the Sony logo on because Sony, at least their first party games come with a certain level of quality that you know is from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people on Steam notice that type of shit and go, this was a great game made by this great studio. If, if you're buying it on a console, y- your games are going to come from Sony regardless. Like, you expect yeah. it. But it, it, people on PC really cling to studios. Mm-hmm. And if they know that, like, Sony Interactive Entertainment is a studio you go to for a quality game, they latch onto that shit. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a win-win for everyone. They just have to spend a little money and maybe do some forward thinking. Absolutely. When everybody has access to all the things that together, we as a society kind of all move up. Yeah. So stop walling ourselves off into little isolation holes. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our next topic, which is going to be about the preservation of video games and pop culture in general. And that is our main topic in the boss room. So hang with us and we'll be back shortly to discuss that. Yeah. Boss room. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is our boss room, our main topic for the show. Sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. Now I get inspiration from our main topic from all sorts of places. This last week I was watching the two-part 10-hour documentary on Shudder, In Search of Horror, mm-hmm. which details darkness. all things... I'm sorry, sorry. Yes, yes, you're absolutely correct. In mm-hmm. Search of Darkness, um, which details all things about horror from the 80s. Something that caught my attention was something that was said during one of their segments that really stuck with me. And I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit, but basically they said, every time that we evolve the technology that we use to view horror, speaking specifically from like Laserdisc, Atrex, VHS, VHS, all Mm -hmm. of that, um, we lose a lot of horror if it does not get ported to the new medium, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of B-movie horror from the 70s we may never see because those tapes simply may not exist. Mm -hmm. And that's not just horror. That is all mediums. Right. Right. And that is, um, specifically, uh, I talk about the medium film because it's the one that had the largest burst in the 80s with the the arrival of VHS and home Mm -hmm. cameras. Um, In fact, a lot of weird, crazy horror movies were made because they were the cheapest, easiest things people make. And here in Austin, we have a... 
um, group that is meant to keep VHS horror tapes alive, or just VHS tapes alive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is weird movies that people shot in their backyard that aren't good. Yeah. But people made them. Yeah. <laughs> so as somebody who loves horror and pop culture in general, and specifically video games also, um, hearing them talk about these titles that are lost to time uh, really scared me. So that got me thinking about things like piracy and preservation. So let's open up the panel and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of jumped the gun there. Sorry about that. Sorry, right. I was just saying there's um, so that's an, a group here in Austin that tries to keep that part of history alive. Mm-hmm. These VHS tapes of movies, they've been trying to digitize them. We actually, mm-hmm. uh, I've gone to see some weird um, short films mm-hmm. made out of or from them at Alamo Draft House ah, because they okay. are one of the part of the foundation to keep pr- preserve this media. Mm-hmm. Um, we have. Our national library, which mm-hmm. keeps track of movies, but only a few movies are added to that every year. Correct. Yeah. It's kind of like the Criterion Collection. Yeah. They kind of take whatever they think is the best. Yep. Um, there are in people's individual collections, um, of at least for films. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking about like film stock because you have to, those things are volatile. Right. Oh, like, yes. Literally. Yeah, yeah. They will, if they see that's light a, or get moisture, they'll yeah. ignite. Yeah. There is yeah. so for, much film that's lost to time. Right. right? Yeah. For anyone who's seen the um, Quentin Tarantino movie, uh, uh, The Inglorious Bastards, they know from that movie that, uh, yeah, that, that, that cellophane is incredibly flammable. So flammable that it used to be illegal nitrate to carry film. it on a trolley. Nitrate, yeah. So flammable that it used to be illegal to carry it on public transportation. Mm-hmm. That's how, like, like, think about that. It came in a metal case, and you mm-hmm. could not bring that metal case of film onto the train because it could start a fire so quickly and so explosively that the train would catch fire. And you know there wouldn't be a law unless someone had fucking done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you someone know, got onto that accident. train and lit up a cigarette, and like that was the end of it. Yeah, no, so that, that, was- that, that asks... That begs the question, then, if we're talking about preservation, whether it be film, whether it be video games, Mm -hmm. we talk about this idea of piracy. And when you think piracy, you immediately think, oh, somebody's doing something illegal and they shouldn't Mm -hmm. be doing the thing. But when does piracy become important? Right. Right. Like When When does piracy archaeology? Well, yeah. I mean, well, when, 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 when is an act of piracy like the, the right thing to do? Right? Let's like give give a good scenario based on the examples we've already had. You have a B movie, maybe filmed in someone's backyard. Maybe someone put a lot of effort into it, but didn't have the budget. B movie gets put on VHS, either because it was transferred to VHS when VHS came out, or because they shot it on VHS because they didn't have the budget to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Now. No one's going to put that movie on DVD because it's modern as of 2008 and now there are DVDs. No one's going to be like, let's take this VHS and put it on DVD. So because the film is likely gone forever because Mm -hmm. it's incredibly flammable and this VHS copy uh, may be the only copy of this film in existence. At what point is it the right thing to do to just copy that onto DVD yourself without anyone's permission, without the rights to do it, without the rights to ever show it to anyone just to preserve it. True. And this, like James has said, happens to a lot of movies, especially mm. in the horror genre. Yeah, that's very true. And it's, it's a complicated question, right? Because we look at the ethics of quote unquote piracy, mm-hmm. right? And I'll, I'll take this to a, a modern example um, in modern in air quotes. Yeah. There is a video game for the NES called Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Batman, the video game was based off of the 1989 Tim Burton um, film. 
uh, it is considered probably one of the best Batman games, if not one of the best superhero games of all time. It is a very difficult game. It's Ninja Gaiden level difficult to mm-hmm. do. Gorgeous soundtrack. Uh, Amazing watch a, soundtrack. Watch a speedrunner play it. It's gorgeous. In fact, uh, during summer, summer Games Done Quick, yeah. they're going to be running Batman. And I was so excited to see how, it. How would they run this game, though, if it's... They can play the game and they can, can show themselves you, playing the game. They can, just can't sell right. the game or you copy can the game. still okay. get a copy of batman you could go to a, a, a secondhand store buy this game and play it in your nes true and okay, so there are still physical copies, still of physical yes. copies but, of but there's also the deadlock to where since no one owns in air quotes the rights to this game specifically no one can actually sue you for doing things with it so yeah the problem with this ah, game is that gray space right, mm-hmm. there's a legal gray space here sides. because the company of sunsoft is owned by various people mm-hmm. that all own a portion of the rights to this batman game right which means as of right now this game can never be re-released onto any modern consoles we can't right. do do anything with it. Yeah. None if Nintendo the, wanted to put the, it on the virtual console, they, they literally cannot, cannot, cannot do it. They We're not going to get a really cool DuckTales remastered version of this no, where you can switch right. back and forth between the game And modes. let's not forget how much legal trouble that game got into. Yeah. Right. I don't think it's still on the so, Steam So store. you have one of the, the greatest superhero games of all time that was made on the NES that is a piece of art mm-hmm. that exists currently on a cartridge that will someday deteriorate and will not be functional. Cartridges yeah. deteriorate over time. Yeah, it's just PCB board in there, guys. This it goes away. Yeah, game, a memory chip can only be a memory chip until, like, right. any... It, it, this yeah. game can be lost to time if it weren't for the fact that somebody pirated it. That literally ripped the game's code from the cartridge and distributed it online, which technically is a felony to download this game if you do not own a copy of it. But we look at this, what is the ethical dilemma here? Do we just let this piece of art rot Mm-hmm. Or do we put it up online so that everybody at least has access to it yeah. after the fact? Mm-hmm. Did y'all watch the second season of Altered Carbon? No. Yes. There's kind of or there's a, a junk dealer mm-hmm. um, in the in the story. I've never read the books, but it's my memory of the watching the show is he's going through a bunch of junk, going through people's like digital files, and like eventually you run across a person mm-hmm. in the world of Altered Carbon you could copy yourself essentially correct yeah. and you're supposed to you know do the right thing of put them in the queue to be put into a new body right, right. Mm-hmm. and no they're like oh no we're just gonna chunk that that's kind of what we're doing I just want people to watch Altered Carbon season 2 um, you're right and, and it's actually a really empathetic point to bring up now that I think about it because every movie that gets just chucked into the waste bin because no one wants it anymore is dozens at the very least dozens of people's work mm-hmm. their, 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 their toil their, their, their writing their effects work their costume work their makeup work all of that just gets thrown away every time we don't preserve something like this. And doubly and triply so, which I think a lot of uh, movie producers might disagree with, doubly and triply so for video games. Because video games take a lot longer to make and usually take a lot more people to make, Mm -hmm. just in general, especially for larger profile projects. And with that preservation, Mm -hmm. um, we come up to piracy sometimes. Yes. That was a very bad segue, but pirates generally show up and break things. Yeah. Or at least they... No, pirates still exist today. Yeah, no, l- 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 pirates boats, absolutely still exist today. Had, like, the history boat of piracy pirates like, exist a lot today. Yeah, but yeah. boat pirates were the, I'm going to take a thing, I'm going to mm-hmm. rob you and take this thing, and right. you no longer have a thing. Right? Yeah. What we're proposing and what has been going on since the mm-hmm. early days of LimeWire and Napster is you have a thing, now I have also a thing. Mm-hmm. Which... 
is bad from a corporate yeah, entity right. way in capitalist way but in the idea of i just made more of a thing that didn't really exist in the first place right it's kind of there, that's where the gray now we're getting right. into the piracy for the right. piracy part right and so that that's actually a really good segue because i kind of want to talk about piracy mm-hmm. as not for for a second as not the you know gateway to goodness <laughs> modern pirates on land sea air or the internet um, steal things not because they're trying to preserve them for the future. There are other people who do that. Right. They're historians. There are people who try and make video game museums and movie museums. There are people who, like the Criterion Collection, are trying to preserve the best of what we have that will so that it will always be there. Mm. But this is not what pirates are normally doing. Pirates are usually trying to get something without paying for it, whether yeah. it be booty in every sense of the word, whether it be um, you know the digital uh, a digital copy of something, whether it be gold. Old doubloons. They're just trying to take something from someone else. Mm-hmm. And now, in the modern day, when it comes to media, it is a copy of that thing. So much less harm done, obviously. Mm-hmm. But e- even if you go all the way back to the beginning, if pirates stole something of historical value that we found hundreds of years later that was like, yeah, this was robbed off of a ship way back. This is like the last vestment of like Cortez's, uh, you know, yeah, ship we have all these, or something. Uh, the, the entire... Oceans full of all these these ships that mm-hmm. are full of all these treasure that were stolen from somebody else, right. which we come and find. Are we stealing from the people who stole it? Well, the, the, the <laughs> thing was is that if it if Sorry, it hadn't been stolen in the first place, um, would we even have it anymore? Right, and that's that's what we're getting at here. That's the mm-hmm. core of this discussion. If someone hadn't rommed that Batman video game, the only way you would ever be able to experience it is with a physical copy of the game, which is very very hard to track down and vastly prohibitively prohibitively expensive. If you find one on eBay, much less if it had any box art, much less if mm-hmm. it had original anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would pay thousands of dollars for a cracked copy, and then you'd need a working NES to play it on now because somebody robbed it tv yeah yeah crt tv which are kind of in short supply now yeah now if anybody the film industry blew up a lot of them yeah anyone who wants to play this game now can go to a relatively shady website and grab a rum and plug it into a very well made fan made emulator of the original nes Mm -hmm. which in my opinion should never be a crime i i understand why roms should always be illegal emulators should never be I think that is a passion project. That is a great thing. And we should always be able to do that. But yeah, like the Batman game would absolutely be a problem if no one had ever rommed it. It wouldn't be speedrun because the cost of entry would be insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And people wouldn't know about it. We wouldn't be able to use it to prevent cancer Mm -hmm. or to do Doctors Without Borders donations. Like Mm -hmm. these are good things. And it really does come out of piracy, which is, for all intents and purposes, a bad thing. Sure. And that's the the ethical dilemma of the good and bad of mm. piracy is problematic. I mean, yeah, whenever you're looking at it as a, I look at like as a, the archaeological point of view, right? Especially whenever I look at my hard drives, because mm. I can imagine an altered carbon future where there's somebody's going to go through and go, "That's a fuckload of ska from the <laughs> very like from the from 2000 to like 2003." <laughs> There you go. That's what that hard drive is. Yep. And because that's what I pirated at some point in my mm-hmm. life. And 
And, but now it is preserved. I have that. I can. There's a lot of those I, bands do not those exist bands anymore. Do not oh exist. yeah, I have. Sh- like, that's the. I'm, sure I'm now the seen- old man. I have shirts that I wear from bands that don't exist. Yeah, <laughs> and and j- just to bring the point full circle, like if they only ever released their stuff on CDs, and you can't get it on Spotify, and you can't get it mm-hmm. in the iTunes store, then those CDs once either no one has any CD players left, or that no one can find these CDs. That music is gone. It yeah. took me. It's gone, gone. There was a band from Houston, uh, a punk rock band that I really liked. I, my ex girlfriend got me into them, and mm. she had a copy of their CD. They had broken up by the time I got into them. I could not get a copy of this. Yeah, I looked for it for ages. I was able to find them for like thirty, forty, fifty bucks. I'm not spending that much on a CD. Mm. Right. They're now and have been on Spotify for a while. So whenever I want to hear those songs again, I can now go to them because they realize that's a way for them just to make additional revenue. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of think good old games should do that for the, for video games. It would be nice if they can pe- throw up. If we need a place where people can throw up their old games and be like, "Hey, um, itch uh, itch.io does that for indie developers." Mm-hmm. I'm getting sidetracked off my point, um, which means I lost it. <laughs> no, you're right though. The, 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 so um, a, a point that I've made privately before is um, what .cd. What.cd was basically considered the library of Alexandria for music. It was all pirated. It was very difficult to get a membership to the website, but once you were in, you could download any of the music they had on there. So they would have things that were very, very old, things that were very, very new, and everything in between, things that were very, very Mm -hmm. obscure, things from other countries. If you ever thought what Ugandan music sounds like, someone in Uganda recorded something and they put it on what.cd because that's where the music went to live forever. They had it. I had a punk rock version that was every punk rock band Mm -hmm. all over the world would put their torrents up. Yeah. And this was people, yeah, pirating fucking like less than Mm -hmm. Jake shit. But this was also people from Uganda being like, I've got band. And you're like, I will listen to it, I guess. There's a reason why my Spotify plays a bunch of random-ass punk rock shit from all over the fucking world. To this day, it's because a long time ago, I signed up for, or I joined a Mm. group of collective pirates that just kind of shared music together, and we got to discover amazing, weird, small bands. I got to go support Mm -hmm. so many small bands live that I have never would have gone to go see. I wouldn't have bought their shirts. I wouldn't have bought their stickers or patches or any of that shit Mm -hmm. because I didn't hear them on some pirate website where I downloaded things I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah, which is... Yeah, not the smartest idea. You're like, I don't know, it's a fuckload of MP3s. Hope nothing's gonna kill my computer. I'll just do this 11,000 times a day. (laughs) I actually have a really good anecdote um, based on exactly what you just said. And this is an actual true thing that happened to me in my life. When I first moved to Austin, I wanted to see all the live music I could, and I bought tickets to Dia de los Todis, which is not in Austin. It is a show that at the time was held at Whitewater Rocks, which is kind of halfway between Austin and San Antonio, and I, w- I went there to see the Toadies because I like the Toadies, and it's called Dia de los Todis because the Toadies play at the end, and a bunch of local bands that they like and have handpicked play before them. Mm-hmm. I saw a band before them called the Whiskey Folk Ramblers. And my God, did I love their sound. And Sold me on the name alone. Great, great <laughs> band. I, I've seen them live like three or four more times since then. Uh, they were at South by Southwest Austin. Uh, often uh, saw them every time I could. Loved them. So I get home. I realize no one has ever heard of this band. And I'm like, 
I need to share this with people. Mm -hmm. I don't know where to find this music. This is pre-Spotify. This is like 2010. There's no Spotify. There's like Apple Music is barely a thing at this point. Um, the only way I can get this music, it's not even piratable, which is what I found out very soon. Because at the time, I was a little punk with no money, and I could only pirate music that I liked. I could not afford to buy it. Mm -hmm. Same with games at the time, same with TV shows at the time. This is before mm -hmm. cord cutting. Point of the story is, I went to Amazon, bought both of their albums, went to the site I was pirating stuff from, and immediately uploaded them. Here's where the story gets interesting. I get into the thread, describe the music, and say, like, if y'all, and if anyone wants this, check it out. I really liked it. Mm -hmm. I hope you all enjoy. Two days later, I go back to check the thread to see if anyone's commented, and a member of the band has commented in the thread in the same piracy website I have uploaded this to. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, someone put our music up here. <laughs> <laughs> this is cool, I guess. And I replied, being the OP in said thread, was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I promise I bought these before I uploaded them. He's like, no, it's fine. I guess this means we're popular. <laughs> and before they released their second album, same guy jumped into that thread and said, hey guys, we have a new album coming out. Um, we actually practiced uh, I, this time, I promise. We know how to play our instruments now. Um Please enjoy our second album. It was one of the most awesome interactions <laughs> nice. I'd ever had with a group of people, the, the band that I really liked, that I would have never been able to speak to otherwise. But yeah. they kind of appreciated it. And now I know that I can go back to that website and that thread's still there. I don't know what happened to them as a band since then. I haven't heard anything out of them in at least half a decade. Mm -hmm. But I know that their music is there. Mm -hmm. I know it's preserved. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most important things that we, we, we talk about here. You know, yes, we all have like tons of stories about just things that we've done in terms of piracy, but there is an element of preservation to all of this. Uh, one of the things that I want to bring up is that, um, you know, back in the day, Monty Python was made, you know, over uh, on the other side of the pond. Mm -hmm. And back then they reused film stock. Many shows are lost to time in the early days of the BBC because it was too expensive to just buy more film. Yeah, um, I think maybe Doctor Who was one of those. There's a yeah, lot of Doctor tape. Who that was lost. Yeah, yeah. Doctor was, Who was lost. There was time. a lot of Doctor Who that was lost, um, and that was it was purely out of necessity. Yeah, yeah, they just didn't have the budget to buy. But, yeah, right. I can't. I can't be mad that we, we right. lose these things to history because. But that's the nature of. Uh, our, our, our storytelling sure. we've lost so many stories for books that have been lost but what do I mean, you think about the library of alexandria at some yeah. point we got to talk about that guy getting lost right <laughs> but one of the only reasons that we have monty python the way that we do and that's not even all of it but we have most of monty python is because it became popular enough and made so much money for them that the actors were able to purchase the actual like film or uh, you know the actual video and say we're going to just give you money for this like, we'll take it, and we'll just give you whatever it costs to replace is. Yeah. And they let them do that. And that is why we still have those old episodes of Monty Python uh, mm -hmm. to this day. Yeah. And that, that's a big fucking deal. It is. I mean, we only have the creators to thank, right? And I think the problem we run into is not every creator is so impassioned by their project that they will fight to preserve it themselves. Right. And so when we talk about things like piracy when it comes to pop culture... Yes, there is the stigma around piracy, which is you're getting something for nothing. But there is an element to this when we talk about things like Batman the video game that we look at and go, Would, will this game exist or this movie exist or this show exist yeah. if 
we didn't pirate it? Yeah. It, I mean, if you think about that Batman game, imagine how tragic it would be if the only thing we had left of that game in, you know, 10 to 20 years is like a YouTube video. Right. Yeah. Like of the one dude who has an NES and like can play it. And he's like, let me tell you about this game. Yeah. This is the only surviving copy of this. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a, like a particular bone to pick with Nintendo on this point, actually. Nintendo, as we all know, doesn't like to play nice with their fans and with what they do. But the biggest slap in the face to me with all of that has been the virtual console. Mm-hmm. When they got the Wii, they got the virtual console and they're like, here's all your old games. Mm-hmm. Some of them are, you know, worth two or three bucks. Some of them are worth more. Like, I don't know how you play, how, how you pay more than like 50 cents for Balloon Fighter. Right. But, you know, they charged you more for it. But you had Balloon Fighter on your Wii. And if that was your fucking jam on the NES, you had it. Which I did love that game. And the problem is... That the virtual console did not transfer to the Wii U. Your games didn't transfer, and they didn't transfer to the Switch. Yep. They each have their own iteration of that store, and there's no way to keep that library. And Nintendo needs to get on this fucking train. Because if I could buy a Switch and have like my entire virtual console library follow me from console to console, I would right. never not immediately buy every new Nintendo console. Why do you think I like Microsoft as much as I do? Yeah. Every game, going back to... Xbox, mm-hmm. I did. I can go play. Not well, not all of them, but like ninety nine percent. Everything okay, that isn't right locked, right? Yeah, no, it's literally down to something to, to a like legally. It's the Batman. Yeah, until yeah. unless mm-hmm. legally they cannot put it on there. Yeah, Microsoft is going to make all of their games backwards compatible. Oh, not yeah, because sure. they really care about the keeping all of their games alive. Mm-hmm. Because they know someone will pay them, you Someone's know, ten dollars for a thirty-year-old game. At some point, <laughs> right? At some point, thirty years from now, mm-hmm. this game that no one fucking gave a shit about mm-hmm. now gets a resurgence on whatever new fucking platform it is, and they're the ones that still have it sitting there on their store. Yeah, mm-hmm. fucking buy it's it. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's a brilliant move. And oh, it plays beautifully. It's yeah. a way, it's a way to keep preservation going mm-hmm. um and that's and that's fantastic and i love that it's preservation that. through capitalism right. though. it is but, preservation but, yeah through so, so so my point what my point was with the nintendo thing is nintendo literally has no one to blame but themselves for the piracy that happens to their games mm-hmm. just, just, just like full circle like, the, like you did this to you and the same is true for a lot of games and a lot of movies is like they weren't preserved so we stole it so that we could preserve it because we like it yeah and I mean, show me a better compliment. Can I talk about a thing real quick that we often talk about on this show? And that is the PSP game Final Fantasy Crisis Core. Dude. One of the best Final Fantasy games of all time. I have praised it. We have an entire episode dedicated to the Final Fantasy VII Remake in which I gush and explain to people in detail how a PSP game made me cry. Mm Mm-hmm. And if by the way, again, go on YouTube, look up end of Final Fan or look up end of Crisis Core, and watch every single YouTuber crying at the very end of that. Mm-hmm. That is a game that is slowly fading out of existence. Yeah, with PlayStation making moves to remove their PSP store, mm-hmm. with no remake of Crisis Core in sight. Yeah, no, with nothing. Anyone like like none of people are even asking for it, which is a shame. And this game is so beautiful in its execution. It is short. It is just like moving. It is probably a better Final Fantasy game than the original Final Fan or Final Fantasy VII game, the original Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. And 
it is on the verge of being lost to time. Yeah. Now it does exist in ROM form somewhere mm-hmm. out there on the internet yeah. on sa- sites. There's a PSP is, emulator. It, somewhere. it is being preserved. So the pirated version does exist already. The pirated version does exist. And that's one of the, but the preserved preserved through the corporation, right. the where Marissa Microsoft once is preserving all yeah. of their stuff. In this case, Sony slash Square Enix isn't necessarily preserving this because they're not making it available for anybody to play right. outside of mm-hmm. an illegal market. Right, yeah. and there's the rub, right? If it's not available, the only way to get it is through an active piracy. And I think that brings up an, an excellent point because there's a, a long-standing thought out there in pop culture, which is if somebody can get something for free, they won't pay for it. And this is a thought that's been propagated. Oh God, I hate to be, sound like this guy. <laughs> this is a thought process that's been propagated by media for a very long time. Yeah. Saying that if it's available for free, people will not pay for it. But things like iTunes shows you that's incorrect. Yep. Spotify has shown you that's incorrect. Good old games has shown you that's Warframe. incorrect. <laughs> if you provide people the resource to pay for the game that they want or music that they want or mm-hmm. movie that they want, people will do it. Yeah, even just in the format they want. Like, let's talk about, I, I saw uh, Zeth Rogen do this the other week and I was a little like, ah, oh, that's that's not a great take. Um, there was an article about how In the Heights was released simultaneously both in theaters and in, and on HBO Max mm-hmm. and how it did about half of the numbers they expected when they released the movie. They were thinking it was going to make X amount. It made half of X amount. And his take was it's almost as if people won't go to the movies if they just release it and they can watch it in their house. But like that's not the takeaway. Half of the people knew that they could just watch in the heights at home and they went to the theater to go watch it there is demand there and the fact that it didn't blow the doors off of a blockbuster showing it's a fucking musical musicals never do numbers it's like that pr- it's also the pre-hamilton musical so it's not near as good yeah as if it hamilton. was hamilton everyone would have gone into the theaters to watch it for which is sure. what the plan was but you know what everyone got sick and died last year yeah yeah. <laughs> so, so I, my point is that people will absolutely pay for something if they can, if it's in a format that they like, and then if they love it. Um, yeah, wild scenario. Even though it's an unimaginable timeline, imagine if Bloodborne hadn't been popular. It was not Dark Souls. Right. It was to coming from the same studio, mm-hmm. but at the time they only had Dark Souls one and two on there. Mm-hmm. If Bloodborne had released on PlayStation, and everyone was like, eh. I mean, maybe. And it sold like a third of the copies that they wanted it to. And then it was lost to time. It could come down to something as simple as bad, the the multiplayer thing failing. And a a game fails for all kinds of reasons. Right, right. So, So like in that scenario, at this point, we would find... A, 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 a situation where, like, we might just lose Bloodborne if they just never, like, allowed it on the PlayStation Shore to come to, like, PlayStation 5. Uh, it would just be gone. And, like, imagine losing something like that. And, and a lot of these projects, I, I mean, I'm not going to say they're as good as Bloodborne, but they're, 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 they're feats of usually someone trying something new, someone trying something interesting, which is why I use Bloodborne as an example, that, that, that just go away. Mm-hmm. The PS4 game. Uh, I bought you the poster for it. I cannot remember. Journey. Journey. Oh, Journey. When the where am I going to play Journey in 
15 years from now. Right. It's true. Yeah. It, I mean, it needs to stay on the PlayStation Store forever. It really does. And, I, I know that game is amazing, and I know that the AI that game is smart enough high. to where it mm-hmm. doesn't need to have other people playing it with yeah. me to where I can still continue the game. Yeah. It's better when you have other people that are in the same network or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's a game that would massively benefit from just... Being Has anybody played Journey since network. the PS4 release? I mean, maybe not. I mean, I know I... It, it could be one that gets played. lost to time, though. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. That was a PS3 game. It was a PS3 yeah, game. It, it PS3 ended up game. on PS... There was a PS4 release... And I don't believe it has been like officially ported to PS5. I don't know if I can buy it and play it on the PS5. Right, like that's. But that's I should that's be why able I brought to. it up because that's a mm-hmm. game that I want to play, and I know it's not a super high mm-hmm. resolution game. It's not killing graphics cards. Right. So why can't I put that on good old games? Yeah. yeah. What is stopping these? I know it's money is what's stopping these yeah. companies from putting their games out there, mm-hmm. and the. The preservation, we're all kind of individually curating our own collections. Uh, I, we know people that c- collect video games. Yep. Mm-hmm. Lord, do they collect video games. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but I look at my Steam collection, and I kind of collect video games. Yeah. Yep. I have a huge bunch, a pile of shit that I am never going to play, mm-hmm. and I have no interest in it because Humble Bundle exists. Yeah. So, so, so just happy thought right here. I just looked it up because I thought I remembered, and Journey is available on both on Steam and the Epic Game Store. Oh, so okay. oh, we need well, now that's I actually the, do feel a lot better. Yeah. So, so <laughs> do more of that. Literally, everyone. I'm, I'm not just talking to Sony, but I'm a lot talking to Sony. But everyone, like, just make your games available in more places. Okay. So that we can keep them around. So the main topic Support is your libraries, if you can, um, as well, because these are also places where knowledge needs to exist. At. God, yes. Uh, they also have video games and comic books and all the other things we talk about. Definitely support your local libraries. Absolutely support your local libraries, which just opened up in Austin, by the way. Yeah, we have a new huge one that I really want to go check out now that we can go outside again. Mm -hmm. So our main topic this week was the idea of piracy and preservation. Piracy being considered something that is normally a negative thing. Mm -hmm. Preservation uh, always considered a very positive thing. These two forces coming together. Um, I want final thoughts from the panel as we kind of talk about this. Like, how do you feel about the idea that somebody pirates something so that we can preserve this piece of pop culture, this moment in time that we would otherwise lose? I always go back to Indiana Jones. This shit belongs in a museum. Mm -hmm. The museum is now my hard drive. Just that's what you call your hard drive. Yeah, (laughs) that's actually I I have a new hard drive. I'm probably going to name it the museum. Like that's where the backups go, yeah. and we are, we now live in a world where, um, in general, most people can read and have access to basic elect- things that we consider electricity, mm-hmm. internet, other people. We're not talking about 150 years ago or thousands of years ago, right? We now have the ability to keep these things ourselves and the cultures alive, and. Culture preservation, I think, is one of the things that's going to be interesting when we lose things like movies and video games and how piracy helps keep that culture alive. Mm -hmm. The culture surrounding the fighting game community that we talk about quite often, 30 years from now, whenever they're going to go back and play Mortal Kombat 10, which is fucking still a great Mortal Kombat game, Mm -hmm. and revisiting those reddit posts if they can if they if, if yeah. those are preserved revisiting that game if it's preserved and then going back and playing the 60 year old original mortal Kombat and how that was preserved mm-hmm. 
that's awesome. And then we get to watch the movies that were surrounding that and yeah. how that was part of keeping that culture alive mm-hmm. for a future. Yeah. Um, I, ju- I kind of brought up like, the, oh, we lost a lot Library of Alexandria. Yeah. We're not possible. Or, yes, we are going to reach a point where we could possibly lose all of human knowledge, but that's like nuclear war level. Right. We're now at a point where most of our shit's kind of safe. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be safe outside of corporate overlords' hands. Right. And the idea of piracy versus preservation, it comes down to preservation versus stop taking my fucking money. Right. Yeah. This isn't people robbing a boat anymore. This is people trying to be people. Yeah. True. And and work together and should also be paid for their goods. Yes. I'm just yeah to 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 tie a bow on 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 Tony's point while I work into my own he's absolutely right this is a um the issue is like so many things these days is capitalism unfortunately there is no money in preserving the things that you've made for a lot of these companies and that tends to be the bottom line so it falls Yes. So it falls on us to preserve the things that we like. Um, yeah. When, when it comes to stuff like this, obviously, if you're a human being who pirates stuff because they can't afford it and still likes to enjoy things, I don't have anything negative to say about you, except maybe, just maybe, think about what you're getting out of the things that you are stealing. And hopefully... In the future, if you really decide that you love this thing, support it later. Mm-hmm. Give it money. Find out if it's not available anymore and see if anyone and wants there, to make it available and give it to them. There's a really great story. And I, and I hate to interrupt you. No, you're this, good. But your, your train of thought led me to a story that I, I absolutely love. I can't remember what book I read it in. Um, it may have been one of Jason Schreier's books, it actually. Could be. Where there was a panel, and I think I want to say it was like GDC or something. Mm-hmm. And the presenters who made the original Diablo were on stage. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about this is how we made the original Diablo. This is what we did. This is how it all went. And like this, blah, 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 blah. They went on this huge presentation. At the very end of the presentation, true story, Mm -hmm. a person that worked in the games industry walked up to um, the main creator of Diablo and like handed him money. And the guy looked at him weird, like, but but, GDC presentations aren't like pay for whatever. And he was like, no, I need you to understand that when I was a kid, I could not afford to play your game. Right. We were a poor, we were a low income family. Mm -hmm. Things were hard for us. I found a pirated version of your game and that got me through a lot of high school. Every day after school, I would come and I would play your game. I'd get my homework done and that was inspiration to play Diablo and it was cracked. It was pirated and I'm sorry. Here's my 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. And that story has always stuck with me. Yeah. Because... That's another thing for piracy that we don't talk about. We don't, maybe don't have enough time to sit down and really dive into. But there are people that don't have the financial means to be able to play these things. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that we should be restricting their access to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. Couldn't couldn't agree more. The... What, when we when, when you take a thing, if your idea is just to enjoy it and throw it away, then maybe don't steal. But if you find something you really love in your theft and you decide that it, it needs to be appreciated, it needs to be preserved, then please do that. It, it is a service that you pay forward into history because if other people, you find a whole group or community of other people who also love this thing and you can, and you can preserve it together, like you, then, then you, 
something good came out of your theft. And that is a great feeling. That's a great thing because you got to give back maybe what you took. And uh, before we get to James and let him wrap the show up, uh, with his points, I'd say, to, once again, to quote Pirates of the Caribbean, sometimes doing the right thing really does require an act of piracy. I absolutely agree with that. And everything that we've been talking about here, um, I hope that we've invited people to the conversation with this in the sense that you don't feel like, oh, piracy is bad and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I want you to listen to the points that we're making and saying that there is a gray area here that exists with piracy and preservation, Right. There are companies that are doing good work, companies like good old games that are trying to bring old games to a modern audience and that mm -hmm. we should support that and that we should financially support that. Mm -hmm. But in the times where we don't have a thing like a good old games, it does behoove us, whether it be video games, movies, music, television, anything that if we feel like we are in risk of losing something, pirate it. Yeah. Upload it. Copy that VHS tape. They say, don't copy that floppy. Back when we were kids, absolutely fucking copy yeah. that floppy. Oh, yeah. we but, made, if take, made a but if you take off it. the tab, it's a non-forgeable tape. <laughs> it's a non-forgeable there, there, there is a thing here. You can't fuck with it. There's a, there is a moral gray area that we have to ask ourselves, at what point are we willing to lose a piece of pop culture? Mm -hmm. And pop culture, what, I know that we call it pop culture, but it is part of the modern zeitgeist. Yeah. The way that books have been, the way that records have been, the way that religious texts have been. Yep. There is no reason that we are not preserving, the, right or wrong, there's no reason we shouldn't be preserving these things through the ages. In a, in a way we are, but unfortunately, the name of what we gave it is problematic to preserving it. Yeah. Pop culture is meant to be popcorn culture. Sure. It is not meant to be kept around. It is meant to be but I think much like popcorn tossed I, I aside as a light we, filler along your day. I think that if nerd cultures taught us anything, we don't treat pop culture that way. True. No, I mean, we, we I listen treat. to shit from 1959, which is shit from pop culture back yeah. then, and go, yeah. I love fucking doo-wop songs, yeah. because I, I always have. So I think <laughs> that the, the final opinion here is just keep your mind open to the idea of piracy, because not everybody that's putting thi uh, pirating things and putting them on the internet are doing it out of a malicious uh, for a malicious reason. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times, that that's just a piece of our modern pop culture or our modern culture, which just happens to mostly be pop culture, mm -hmm. that we are just trying to preserve. It is a moment of time that we've frozen in place and uploaded to the internet, and here's the zeitgeist of the time. Here's that Batman game that you cannot in any way, shape, or form go out and buy unless you pay a high price for it on eBay. Yeah. You get to experience that thing that maybe your parents were into or your grandparents were into. Yeah, Take that moment seize it and maybe embrace piracy just a little bit to preserve that culture for the rest of us mm -hmm. that is everything that we have for the show this week our main topic piracy and preservation it was a healthy discussion i want to know what you guys think about this topic please get a hold of us tony where can they do that info at goodnight.gg you can also head over to goodnight.gg that's our patreon page join us there for you can well listen to the shows for free, mm -hmm. uh, except for the special shows. You have to at least join for like a dollar, um, which we would very much appreciate. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, it just helps. Yeah, it helps. It helps because, us make the show. You know, poor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, other than that, it's uh, at GNG Gcast 
for everything else. Yeah. It's that's our Facebook, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm always on Twitter at GNG Cast. If you want to talk about any of this stuff with me personally, I'm on Twitter 24 hours a day. Love to talk about any of the topics that we've been discussing. But until next week, for Tony, this is James. For James, this is Tony, and I'm Hector. Everyone, good night and good game.